This is an informal conversation between three girls trying to navigate the millennial world. My name is Shannon. Karen. And I'm Cece. And welcome to our podcast. Um, And so this is the first prototype of our recorded podcast. So let us know what you think, any suggestions, if the ceiling trips you out. Tryptophobia. Let us know. Um, Also, we're drinking coffee today. Our Our beverage, our beverage of choice. And today we're talking about the objectification of women, specifically Kim Kardashian, um, because she causes so much controversy. So Ceci is going to start and get the ball rolling and talk about Kim K's body and how and why it appeals to masses and how that is attributed to evolutionary psychology. And then I'm going to talk about the effects that the objectification of women's body media has on young individuals, specifically because the brain at that age is really malleable and sensitive to certain habits and behavior patterns. And then Karen is going to end the discussion by talking about our language and how our language is constructed in an androcentric view. So everything we talk about in our culture seems to be constructed from a male perspective, um, and that has powerful implications. All right, Sess. All right, perfect. Um, so everybody knows, or I, I say everybody because I generalize, but everybody ba- like basically knows what Kim Kardashian looks like. You know, you think of tits, you think of little waist, you think big ass, right, and pretty face. Um, and everybody's aware of like the Coke bottle um, body type and how. You know, especially in America, I feel like that's really emphasized for, like, a good-looking woman. You know, like, we kind of attribute that to what a woman looks like. And I feel like over time, like, it's been a pretty consistent thing where, like, little waists are, you know, what's kind of attractive to everyone. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Like kind of... The golden waist-to-hip ratio. Right. Like the golden waist-to-hip ratio or people are always trying to... Yeah. Like even if they were like, you know, in the olden days where they had like the big poofy dresses, they still had a little waist or even you never really see like a dropped waist as often. Or corsets. Yeah, or corsets. Yeah. Yeah. And... So, I propose today some research um, on waist-to-hip ratio, which is a term used in, like, evolutionary psychology um, that is basically the actual measurement from a woman's waist and their hip. Um, I think, I don't know the exact math, but I think it's, like, a ratio is what, like, division or something? So, whatever that number is, that's the ratio. Um, it's the ratio of, like, the waist to the hips. Right, right, the waist to the hips. So you'll do, like, the waist divided by the hip. Mm-hmm. And then whatever that number is the number is the ratio, I guess. Yeah. Um, but basically, I found an article from the National Library of Medicine, and it was a study conducted by Christoph Kochinski. I'm probably butchering that, but... Cool, Christoph. <laughs> um, he or she is from the Institute of Anthropology, 
Um, and basically, the title of the study is an assessment waist to hip ratio attractiveness in women an anthropometric analysis of digital silhouettes. So a quick summary of this study that I found is um, they talk about the low proportion of waist to hip size in females is a unique and adaptive human feature. So what that means is, you know, we're, we're just like any other organism on this earth. We're all animals and we all have um, different adaptations. And, you know, you hear like natural selection and whatnot and evolution and you think Darwinism, right? But I think most people don't realize that some of the mechanisms and psychological mechanisms that we have right now, um, they don't always show themselves in a like genetic mutation or like they don't present themselves so like surface level if that makes sense. So like basically that's what an adaptation is. So when the issue arises, then the species will show their trait. What do you mean? That comes out. What, do you, what issue? So a lot of people think that like, okay, natural selection and evolution is like, okay, um, what's it called? I need to get from this island to the next island, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to get there, I'm going to get stronger wings. So I'm going to evolve my species to grow better wings, right? And that's what you think of when you think of natural selection. But what really happens is the behavior too. So in terms of like human behavior, our adaptations are more um, in the way that we maybe dress and the foods that we eat or the way that we, how we build houses on hills, Mm -hmm. how that's like so much like wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a like um, an evolutionary basis for why we do that. If you break it down that way. Yeah. So basically in this study, um, what evolutionary psychologists say is that human populations, their waist-to-hip ratio is correlated to women's health, fecundity, and cognitive ability. And basically fecundity is kind of similar to fertility, but it's different in the sense that it's like a female's ability to reproduce a lot of babies. So, and then when people look at like a woman who has, you know, those hip bearing, like, or child bearing hips, that's what they think of. They think of fecundity. And um, that over time is kind of like a value that we put with women as opposed to men. I mean, in the same way or in a different way, excuse me. I feel like while that's true, and you're saying that's attractive, right? Um, yeah, the waist-to-hip ratio, the, the okay. certain ratio, which is 0. 0.7, yeah. is the most attractive. Okay. So basically, in this study, what they did, um, which, okay, it had like, the study was done by 40 men, and basically they had to choose which silhouette, which was made digitally, and apparently they were like made on the computer, they're high quality, and they're very like anthropometrically similar to regular like human female mm-hmm. silhouettes. And they had to choose which silhouette they found the most attractive, and each silhouette had a different waist to hip ratio. Um, basically, there were about 26 different female images, and what they found is that, yes, the results showed that these men, they chose the lower average or the average of the waist-to-hip ratio. And that shows that men, they want something that looks you know, normal or looks... Um, 
I guess normal shouldn't be the term. Yes. I don't know if Kim Kardashian looks normal, though. Right. I feel like she's, like, the ideal. Right, which is what, you know, what you're like, Cece, what does this mean in regards to fucking Kim K? Well, if we go back to, like, the Coke bottle body and we look at Kim Kardashian's actual waist-to-hip ratio, there are people online that actually found that her waist-to-hip ratio is about 0.62. And that's, you know... That's lower than the average, which is 0.7. And, you know, this is probably why a lot of women, it seems like we can't get to that ratio, like, naturally. Mm-hmm. Because her ratio is not natural, you know? In fact, it's a little, I don't know, to me, it's a little too perfect, right? Like, it seems a little too, like, edged out. It looks like, um, you know those African fertility statues? Yeah, the African dolls. That's kind of what she reminds me. Like her body shape. Right. And I think, um, you know, it seems like uncanny to like the natural observer, which it should, right? Mm-hmm. Because like naturally we're like, oh no, like 0.7, like the perfect waist mm-hmm. or, you know, but even like people, so also one thing about the waist hip ratio is that it'll look different like, it doesn't have to do with, like, fat or anything. It doesn't have to do with, like, where the fat or muscle is placed on a woman's body, but it's, in fact, just that measurement itself. So, like, somebody can have, like, a 0.7 waist-to-hip ratio, but then look totally different than the other woman. Yeah. Which I think is probably a good, like, something to remember when we're thinking about um, attractiveness, because visual attractiveness, you know, and different attributes to that in regards to like female beauty standards and stuff like that because I think that's what makes like Kim Kardashian kind of kind of smart in that in that aspect because she uses her like lower average as an asset Mm -hmm. if that makes Um, sense because it kind of it seems more appealing mm -hmm. you know because she's making it seem like I don't know like that's like the standard Mm -hmm. now you know, if we think about it. Well, it's not even that her body shape is unnatural. Like, her entire body is unnatural. Right. The whole thing is unnatural. Just because it's like she wasn't even born that way. You know? Yeah, so she has, like, all of these... She's made all these modifications to make herself more attractive. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, it's gained her a lot more popularity, right? Because mm-hmm. the more attractive she was, the more popular she was yeah right that's true and I think I don't know and then I kind of asked or I was kind of thinking to myself like oh but like haven't women always like modified their bodies to fit like different standards at the time or makeup that's a modification right and I'm like what what other things like in history that we've been doing to you know like you said the corsets or like you know (laughs) plastic surgery bless you yeah plastic surgery um I don't know. I wear high-waisted jeans, yeah. you know? <laughs> to accentuate the asses of well, body. clothes. Right? Yeah, clothes. Like, yeah. Anything. Anything isn't natural. Right, but, and that's why it's, like, in evolutionary psychology, they'll say that, like, stuff like that has become an adaptation mm-hmm. for us because it gets us, you know, where we want to be. Or then... Who's the most, like, desirable person. Right. And I think, would you say that, like... Kim Kardashian is I don't know if she's aware of it but I think regardless she uses it like she uses her waist to hip ratio yeah yeah right sure. mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so on that, I wanted to talk about how she's basically considered, like, the perfect body, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, the best body. Like, she's on the cover of every magazine, and she's also, like, she was the Met Gala. She was, like, the main girl of the, the event. So, like, she's basically the ideal, I would say, of our um, generation, or at least, like, media and companies and stuff like that want to act like she is. Um, well, she has, like, what? How many million followers on Instagram? Yeah. She, I think, like, for her Instagram, every time she posts an ad, she gets paid a million dollars by whatever company not posting the ad because all of us look towards her as, like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, she has it. Okay, I want to do that, too. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know that, like, her reality TV show as well is, like, basically just, like, filled with ads so like anything that she uses in front of the camera she's getting paid to use it's like the cleverly placed like coke bottle or like exactly she's eating mcdonald's that's not yeah mcdonald's is cool right like in actuality she's probably like getting all her food prepped for her you know and like Mm -hmm. not eating that at all um so that's an interesting fact um and then i just wanted to talk about how the objectification of the female body um, is basically, like, prevalent in society. So beauty is a central component of the female gender, um, the stereotype, and women's bodies are more likely than men in general to be evaluated in an objectified manner. So according to the APA in a study um, formed for a task force on research for sexuality, um, they found that women's bodies were three times more likely to be objectified sexually than men's bodies. Um, And I feel like we kind of take that as granted, right? Like, we're just so used to that. Uh, Earlier, me and Ceci were talking about how we kind of, like, have just been grown to utilize our beauty mm-hmm. um, in social situations because that's mm-hmm. what we've seen in media or that's what I've been taught is easy to do for a girl. You know, like, my mom has always fussed about the way I look or how much I weigh or my mm-hmm. hair or whatever growing up, and that's always been normal for me. And my brother has definitely heard it way, way, way less. Although I'm sure, like, he is also subject to... The way he looks, yeah. Yeah, but not to the same amount, I would say. I feel like there's a lot more pressure on little girls, especially, to fit more of their box. And it's a little bit easier, maybe. I mean, I guess unless you're not, like, the typical boy, maybe, you know. true. Um, We're dealing with that now, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think in regards to being, you know, like a heterosexual woman, that's very much... The case. Yeah, you have to be like. Mm-hmm. I've always had trouble with that too because I feel like I'm really feisty and I'm also really messy. And I think like being mm-hmm. a girl is being like very proper and like yeah, and doing what you're told and like combing your hair. And like I remember like having like always having like the tangliest like mess of hair and like my mom <laughs> in the back and just like pulling it out, you know. And I was like, I'm, like why do I have to do this? <laughs> I feel like I had a boy haircut for the longest time though. That's my I did too actually. Until I finally was like, I want long hair because long hair is pretty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Same, same. And um so yeah, we take it for granted, but then I also wanna like I think it's more detrimental to females than it is like good sometimes. At least that's what I think. So um according to a study done by Bus D 
Busty. Bust down. Busty. A mate. I'm just butchering their names. But it was a study done on mate selection preferences in Germany and the United States mm. um, per individual differences. And it was shown that um, individuals who have body dysmorphic disorder tend to develop this in their adolescence. So as young as 13 years old, like kids are developing like psychiatric conditions regarding their self-image and their body. Um, and if you don't know what body dysmorphic disorder is, um, people with BDD have obsessed like obsessions about their appearance that can last for hours or up to an entire day. So they obsess on maybe things like um, their muscle mass or their definition or um, like maybe like their nose or their hair or like their stomach, you know, they feel too fat or they feel too ugly. And so um, girls who have BDD and even men like have behaviors like um, camouflaging their imperfections with maybe makeup or clothes, wearing like loose or really baggy mm-hmm. clothes. I was going to say baggy clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like comparing themselves to others, mm-hmm. um, wanting to have surgery. And I feel like, hello, like everyone and their mothers like gets like a nose job or like lip injections and like that's that's normal like that's been normalized in my life mm-hmm. like so that's kind of do you think it was normalized in your life because of people like kim kardashian hell yeah like definitely right because they like look at these girls right and, like they're like they're so pretty and they're like i want to be pretty too and then mm-hmm. you're like how did they do that well they got lip injections you know or they got plastic surgery and you're like okay they seem happy mm-hmm. i'll do it she got a tummy tuck yeah, mommy body yeah. makeover, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we can't accept these imperfections anymore because we're comparing ourselves to these girls on Instagram. Like, they have the mm. same platform as us, and we're being compared to these people when, like, our actual lifestyle behind the cameras is so, so, so it's totally different. different. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're putting ourselves to the same pressure, which is, I think, really unfair to both of us. Maybe un- really unhealthy, too. It is really mm-hmm. unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, other habits. Like, I know a lot of girls that avoid taking pictures or, like, staring at themselves in the mirror or, like, changing your clothes all the time, like, to make sure you look good before you walk out. Um, and also, like, exercise, like, over-exercising and stuff like that. Um, and so people that are really vulnerable to this, I feel like, are, like, really young girls, like 13, 14, 15-year-old girls who Mm -hmm. spend a lot of their time on Instagram and on the internet and stuff and, like, are comparing themselves to these girls who, or to these women who, like, have millions and millions of dollars and, like, are able to get that perfect waist-to-hip ratio, you know? I would say it even starts even younger than, like, 12 or 13, like, maybe even, like, 8 years old. Yeah. Because that's when people are starting to tell you, like, oh, no, you're a girl. That's true. Like, you need to put on this dress or, like... You know, I remember my mom started telling me when I was 10, I distinctly remember this. I was like in the bathroom with my mom and I was like changing and I was like, mom, do you think I'm fat? And she's like, you're getting a little fat. And I was like, oh no. And I started crying because I was Aww. like, I have to stop eating Cheetos. <laughs> stop eating no more Cheetos. mac and cheese. <laughs> no more animal crackers. <laughs> no, really? No. Yeah. yeah. I think my first experience maybe with like thinking that I was fat was when like, mind you, I've been pretty like 
slender my entire life. But in like fifth grade, I remember like two of my close friends, like I was wearing shorts and we were like playing on the jungle gym or something. And you know, when you sit down, like your legs get bigger, like that's just how it is. And my friends were like, oh my God, your thighs are so big. And like ever since then, I was like, oh my God, am I big boned? Am I thick? I don't know. And it was like messing with my head. So I think I was probably like nine years old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know what's crazy is like back then... I think we grew up with, like, the difference in the hip-to-waist ratio because I remember, like, growing up, I had bigger hips, so I always felt mm, yeah. unattractive. So it's, like, mm. interesting how opposite it is now where oh, it's, yeah. you're more attractive um, to where, have, like, like, a larger... The trends like change so fast, and mm-hmm. our bodies can't keep up with those trends. I know. It's not natural because we're born the way we are. I think there is, like... You know, there's subjectivity to the way that people look and what we think is, like, attractive. And it always is changing as, like, generations go on. Um, But I think that female pressure will always be there. Like, regardless of what the trend is, like, there's still the pressure. Yeah. You know? And I think that we were talking, like, it's okay to have that pressure and it's okay to want to change the way you look or a certain way. But I think... The problem is when we start to value women just for their beauty, when like their, the way they look becomes their currency and it becomes like Mm -hmm. a matter of survival. So, Mm -hmm. Hey, like you're only going to live a nice life if you're pretty, right? Then that's too much pressure, right? Cause then Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, so what? Be pretty or die, you know? Pretty or die, bitch. That's not, like, what the fuck is that? Um, I don't know. I just feel like that's a really... That's when, like, you start getting body dysmorphic disorder because you're like, okay, it's so important for me to be skinny or it's so important for me to, like, have big lips or it's so important for me to have light skin, whatever. Oh, yeah. So then it's yeah. like you start doing, like, really drastic things, you know, like... Like bleach your skin. Bleach your skin. Like, yeah. how healthy is that? And there's no data or science on how healthy those methods are. Like, we have no information mm-hmm. on, like, the effects of plastic surgery or, like, mm-hmm. long-term, like, what is putting silicon in your body do to you? Like, how toxic is mm-hmm. that, you know? Would you say that those are, like, you know, if we're thinking of it really objectively, like, would you say that those are adaptations of our time of the modern human or are they just things that like we should not be doing to change you know like I don't don't know because you know if we're talking about behavior that's a behavior that we've learned to do so I don't know if that's like a positive because women are valued for their beauty though it's like yeah right that's like our adaptation we're like okay Right. Kim Kardashian, mm-hmm. the, probably the richest woman, one of the richest women in the world, or at mm-hmm. least like shown to us by the media, the mm-hmm. way that she's portrayed to us, had to undergo all of this mm-hmm. to like become successful. So it just seems like, I don't know, like it pushes us towards that. Well, does. yeah. And then, you know, they'll say like in psychology that's like mate value. Mm-hmm. That's where we get our mate value. And then it's interesting to think that like even the way that we talk about these like mechanisms, it all goes back to like reproductive, um, I don't know, reproductive processes, you know, or like what's important. And at the end of the day, it's like deduced down to like, well, we just had to have like really high mate value and what gives us mate value and being pretty and having this waist to hip ratio. Yeah, it seems so like reduced to... A, a reproduction yeah like our, mm-hmm. I mean so I don't know like our survival I mean it's very like evolutionary you know like right. I, I want to say that there are 
more things out there. Right, we are more than that. We are more than that. I think people need to, like, wake up and realize, like, we're more than just trying to look like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Right? And I feel like, I mean, well, I don't have statistics on this, but I think off of my personal experience and, like, Mm -hmm. the people that I kind of see in the world, like, a lot of women still, a lot of people still get married early and settle down and have kids and, like, Mm -hmm. a really big goal in their life is to reproduce and they need breed to, yeah and breed. realize there's like a lot more than that you know there's so much more than that but mm-hmm. I feel like this stuff that's being perpetual like the media is like perpetuating this idea right mm-hmm. like people like Kim Kardashian and mm-hmm. like whatever like supermodels and blah 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 like are perpetuating this idea that like okay reproduce be right and so I imagine like these little girls like what's going through their head is probably like oh my god like I'm ugly no one's gonna love me I'll never have babies and then I'm worthless right is that like the snowball like you know I mean it's probably not as prevalent or drastic really young yeah we start telling girls like women empowerment and like female empowerment like when they're like in their late teens to early 20s like that's when when it should be young feminist you know Mm. because you realize like oh shit like like I feel like I started developing like body image issues when I was like 13 14 and no one talked to me about it and I didn't learn about how wrong that was until like I was like 18 or 19. I didn't learn about it until like college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. And like I also like bringing it back to this like that's a problem because when you're really young like your brain is super malleable and like the mm-hmm. behavior and emotional patterns you learn like at that young age become set for you in your lifetime and you keep repeating them and you keep repeating them. So there was a study done um, by the Society for Neuroscience and it showed basically that the adolescent brain is literally shaped by experiences early in life. So um, one of the studies they had was 113 men were monitored for depression from the age of 10, and then they had a brain scan at the age of 20. And the scans showed that the men who had an episode of depression when they were 10 years old had brains that were less responsive to rewards when they were 20. And I feel like that's really detrimental because if you think about, if you're not, um, if you don't respond well to reward, like in this like capitalist system where like money and reward is like an incentive to keep working hard, like how are you going to want to keep a stable job? Well, it's not even only just incentive, it's survival at this point because it's like, oh, you can't make money? Oh, you're worthless? Oh, you're homeless now? Oh, you are not a human being. You don't want, like, you stop wanting to achieve. Right. You know? And that's when you start to fail and die, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big jump, but, like, you start start to want less. That's what depression is. But that's, like, failing to thrive in life. You don't want what's good for you anymore because you were taught negative feedback loops when you were younger. Right. Because no one was there to, like, watch you or hold your hand or no one was there to tell you, like, hey, the stuff you see on TV, like, Mm -hmm. just because you're not that doesn't mean you don't have your own path right and which is why I feel like that study emphasizes the importance of you know of like normal um you know like having really good messages in your brain since you were really young and consistently or like exactly or like being able to critically analyze the negative messages yeah and understanding that sometimes 
things aren't all like positive and it's okay and then to keep going from that or to learn I think it's a lot about how to deal with things or how to take in the information that you have in the world around you like I don't think we were taught to take in you know the the magazines that we were giving or like the the Instagram even now like we're not taught how to take in that information and even for me I now put a timer on my phone for how much like social media I'm getting same because I don't think it's healthy to get more than a certain amount of number. I mean, you know, I, like I feel like we, and especially parents, maybe don't think about how much of an impact images and social media and YouTube and the internet can have on you. Because you're like, well, it's not a real person, you know. So you feel like you might not take it as seriously. But like mm. when you're watching these like interfaces, the way that your brain is reacting to these images mm-hmm. is the same way that your brain would react to like an actual human being. It becomes your reality. It becomes your reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it makes you feel things. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about little kids who are like, I don't know. I see, I think about my cousins who are like six, seven, eight, and they're like on YouTube on their parents' phones or even their own phone. And then they're like, you know, I'm looking at what they're looking at. And majority of it is like, you know, those like done like toy videos or um, <laughs> review videos or whatever. But none of them is ever, I don't know, there's never really any true substance to the way that you should interact with your world. It's very like surface level. Entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment. And it's not, not saying that every child should be like forced down their throat with like, this is how society well, is, like, you know? Kind of though, because then what? When they're like 20, you throw them into the yeah. world and you're like, okay, succeed. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think that's why, like, sometimes I don't think there's a perfect recipe to do it. And that's why maybe when we were younger, we kind of took, like, our parents' advice and been like, shut up. Like, what are you talking about? You know? But then it's like, oh, shit. Like, it kind of makes sense now. You know? Like, it kind of, for me, maybe, like, the way I look, right? Like, oh, I was always taught to be girls are proper. Girls are clean. Girls are put together. And then I think about how I act... Um, maybe like trying to get a job and I'm like oh yeah like I should be proper I should be clean I should be this you know I mean that's also like professionalism but I think and also applicable to males as well right yeah Um, I kind of want to talk about like speaking of that I wanted to talk about how this also has a negative impact on males because I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of this has been really like female centric Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it has been like okay like these images are making you feel bad about your body but then like a lot of these images are popular because men like to look at these images you know and they're like oh like a hot girl like good nice but while that might be like pleasurable for men in the short, short term that also can be really negative for their mental health as well because um like a hypersexualized female like ones that are edited and are photoshopped or have a bunch of like plastic surgery done like well, tila tequila <laughs> oh god <laughs> wasn't she a porn star I, no, no, she, she was, was never a, a porn reality star. TV star. I think she was like a was she a rapper? She was a rapper. <laughs> I ain't trying to fuck you. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, she's my number one fan. Don't ask me why I know that. That's funny. But yeah, yeah. So they don't fit the standards of normal human beings. Um, like most girls don't look like Kim K without literally cutting themselves open yeah. and like injecting plastic into their body, mm-hmm. and they probably won't. And so like. This has a really negative impact on men because I, even I know, like, a lot of men personally who have, like, a really narrow ideal of beauty. 
And it's because of this brainwashing, essentially, that happens online. Can I, um, can I make a comment to that idea in regards to um, Kim Kardashian and men? Because I, I've talked to a lot of guys, and I'm like, oh, like, what do you think about Kim Kardashian? And I, like, surprisingly, a lot of them would be like, oh, like, she's okay. And I'm like, are you really saying, like, she's okay because you really don't think that she's like that attractive or is that like is that now I'm thinking like okay is that just like females or us or I don't know or are they lying to me or Mm -hmm. what is it well I know a lot of guys well maybe it's not Kim Kardashian but I feel like they have like some girl like they've seen you know what I mean that they like idealize some oh okay yeah so like for example like I think most men watch porn right yeah and like porn is a 13 billion dollar industry today 13 fucking billion dollars yeah that's more than baseball basketball and football combined (laughs) are you serious yeah sex the world's greatest sport basically right (laughs) right i don't know and like more people than you know are watching porn but it's so like hush hush because it's like this vulgar thing but Mm -hmm. it's actually having a really like major effect on the neurochemical makeup of your brain and like your responses to beauty and so there was a study done um by tracy l tilka ashley m croon van deest um called you looking at her hot body may not be cool for me and (laughs) it found that men are experiencing erectile dysfunction in their 20s now which is a really early age to have so they're finding it a lot earlier yeah as opposed to before yeah when porn wasn't as accessible exactly Mm. and that's resulting from a desensitization to sexual imagery and that there is like an actual link between a male's pornography use and then his partner's self-esteem so um, men that watch more porn have girlfriends that have higher anxiety and um, lower self-esteem. Their girlfriends have lower self-esteem. Their girlfriends have lower self-esteem. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I just basically, like, I wanted to show that these images and, like, the objectification of women's body in general are, while it may seem, like, really superficial, it's still having this impact on women and men that we can see. Mm-hmm as like happening in society you know right so higher rates of ed higher rates of like eating disorders in women and like plastic surgery and things like that um what does the higher use in pornography have to do with lower self-esteem in women though like how is that related uh i can you explain yeah i don't know if it goes into detail in the article but i think um just from like maybe from personal experience, yeah. <laughs> um, I oh my gosh, should I? Should I? No, it's fine. <laughs> From personal experience, um, I have, I know, I've dated men that have had sexual addictions and have been mm, addicted to porn. Porn addiction is such addiction. a huge thing. Yeah, um, and so I feel like the impact it has is like, it's like dating a like drug user that like needs like a fix so I feel like when they watch porn they have like a dopamine rush in their brain and so like when you binge on that dopamine and then you come back to reality you become Mm. very desensitized and like very empty so it's Mm. like 
doing like cocaine and then like you're like okay now let me try to get like an endorphin rush from like going on a job caffeine (laughs) yeah like these things are not gonna make you happy anymore because Mm -hmm. you literally rewired your brain Mm -hmm. to have like excessive amounts of dopamine rushed into it and then you like Mm -hmm. withdraw and your neurotransmitters can't reuptake as quickly as they should well it's also like those the the images that you see in porn right or that they're constantly seeing i don't know what the fuck y'all watching but like (laughs) If you're constantly watching a certain way of, like, a woman being or a person being in porn, maybe you kind of start to think about that when you're actually engaging in real sexual interaction. Like, they set these expectations. Right. So now maybe they're not able to get it up because it's like, oh, this bitch isn't doing what, you know, whatever her face (laughs) is doing on the video yeah right definitely so i think like this woman is not like yeah like you know like in porn videos i feel like Mm -hmm. it's a performance right it's an act actually isn't yeah a performance it's like an activity and it's more like Mm -hmm. more communication whereas porn literally just a woman is literally the object to have sex right and i think all of these like all of these things lead back you know even kim k and the porn addiction and whatever that all leads back to kind of like you know I'm going to lead it back to like evolutionary psychology, but it's like as women or even men, we all perform. We're all animals that kind of, we're all trying to perform a certain way, you know? And I think we have to really, as we should, as evolved like organisms, we should look at those behaviors and kind of understand why we're doing that. What are we gaining out of it? And how do we kind of maybe change that? How do we change um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Can we change like yeah. that we'll stop idea? Using, well, I don't know about the. Well, I mean, I feel like we can change our habits. Like if we're looking mm-hmm. at everything through a like whatever psychological evolutionary way, we're doing things to like have a best fit for our life and like to help us survive mm-hmm. and thrive. And like if you being on Instagram or you watching porn is like affecting your relationships with actual people around you. Mm-hmm then you need to readjust your behavior and learn to like rewire your brain you know just have that awareness to have that self-awareness um the world is changing and Neuralink is about to come out so So, i mean you have more control of your brain and we're learning more about the brain and like you essentially you are your brain you know so like the feelings that you have and stuff like that like we've learned that they are just chemical processes in your head and there are probably certain behaviors that you are partaking in that are resulting in those negative neurochemical processes and what you need to do is change those habits that you have that are like like Mm -hmm. affecting that so like like stop watching porn or like stop doing drugs or like you know stop like starving yourself if that's like having a negative impact on your body etc or controlling the stimuli that are feeding your brain constantly messages and understanding what messages are actually going through when you're looking at certain images which i think like especially on instagram or maybe some you know whatever it's like the language that these messages are giving yeah Yeah. like what is the dialogue what are we saying how are we talking about these women or how are these you know or like what words are we using right so karen actually has yeah i think karen you have some information for us like the language that we use Mm -hmm. yeah well i think um language is really important because it kind of impacts how we communicate our just 
how we communicate between people and it really impacts our society because that's how we learn and how we process information. So I think our link I think it's a lot better but um our the the way we produce language is very androcentric. So androcentric is kind of like where it's more biased in the way things are written. It's kind of like how Females are perceived as an imperfect male. And then a lot of books and beliefs are kind of written based off of that idea. And it's kind of, it goes back to a lot of what science. What do you mean by imperfect male? How is a female so, an imperfect male? So they say the female, female is an imperfect male because they're, biologically speaking, females are kind of, like their genitals are kind of an inverted form of a male's like an inverted penis yeah I've heard rather like, than saying like oh a female is just this and a male is just this they're just saying like a female is this version of a male i've heard like mm. a clitoris is like a small pe- penis yeah mm. and then that's that's kind of an example of androcentrism like in like biology books that's how they would be talking about the female anatomy is in it's regards based to off a, male. a males, yeah. yeah. Mm, that's Rather than like viewing women as like their own entity, mm, yeah. And isn't like most research kind of, or maybe science in general? Don't you think it's maybe in a male yeah. lens? Yeah, it is. Um, like a lot of published scientists are men that have written these like value laden science textbooks that teach you um like babies are made because the egg gets fertilized by the sperm they're saying like the sperm is more important than the egg because that is what is it only takes fertilizing one. yeah <laughs> rather than saying like they come together or mm-hmm. saying like um like that the egg fertilizes fertilizes the sperm, the sperm. yeah so oh, yeah, I've never actually heard of that. If someone said that, I'd be like, "You're wrong." The sperm, it's, yeah, sperm but that's how egg. they're taught in science textbooks. So they're saying the sperm fertilizes the egg. Is that not mm-hmm. right? It uh, there there's no scientific evidence that the sperm has like prove, a life of yeah. its own. Yeah, <laughs> like it has its own a mind. Will. Yeah, yeah. So whereas like that egg is just like mm-hmm. waiting in the womb, yeah. and it's just like yeah. fertilize me. Wow, that's so weird. We kind of like broke that down into like female and male gender stereotypes right. uh-huh. like yeah. to the down to the sperm and egg right which is why language is important yeah right yeah. and it's crazy because like we learn from these textbooks like we're kind of learning this language that like men are men are or women are created by men basically well and that women's bodies are just inferior Kind of. Oh, well, that's definitely been around for a long time. No, right. Like, it's just emphasized more. The way men talk about periods is like, oh my God. Yeah. But back then, they used to refer to women, their reproductive organs, or not orgasms, their organs (laughs) impact them them so much that they go into a hysteria and then they think that, oh yeah, yeah, that we go crazy. They think. And this kind of deems us as less intellectual or less rational. Yeah, definitely. Oh my god, guys still tell me like, oh, are you on your period? Yes, and Dude. I think that's like, just no, such a I flawed way you. of thinking. Can I yeah. share a story with you guys? Sure. I'm not gonna name names. <laughs> you guys know them, but um, I'll tell you later. 
<laughs> just kidding. Um, if you know who you are, I'm sorry. I about, like, so many people. Yeah, but basically, maybe about, like, two years ago or so, um, I was at the coffee shop, and I was sitting down and then minding my own business, and then these two guys, they come in, and they're like, Cece, like, I'm freaking out. Like, oh, my God. Like, can you help us? And I'm like, what the fuck's wrong? Like, are you okay? And they're like, you need to come to the car and, like, help us out right now. And I was like, all right, like, Final go. So I go out, I'm walking with these two dudes and I'm going to their car and then I'm like, okay, what do you need help with? And then they're like, open the door and like grab what's on the, f- on the seat and then like throw it away for me. Oh and I was like, okay. And then I open the door and it's a literally wrapped tampon. Like oh it was a, like unwrapped like, or, Pussies. you know, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> please get it. And I like looked at them and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Grow a fucking pair. They LOL. treat it like and it's like, like a bag it. of shit. Yeah, I'm like, there's not <laughs> even blood in it. Like, if there was blood, that's a different story. But it's there like was a Q-tip, right? <laughs> or a cotton ball, or like whatever. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna pause you guys right now and tell you to get over it and go yeah. pick it up. I am not touching that because of that. And it kind of cracked me up because they were like. Maybe nineteen years old. Twelve. Yeah. Which I mean, they're educate boys. Your sons. Yeah. That's sons. that's kind of the same thing with like the way people think. Like just because it's not natural for men, they think it's like. Yeah. yeah they think it's weird or I don't know. I think the problem is we don't speak up for ourselves enough, right? Or what is it? Because it's like they think it's okay to talk like that and mm-hmm. we're just like so used to being shut down that right. we get used to it. Well, that's how I was like, shut the fuck up, go pick it up. Like, no. be a man. Yeah, <laughs> we need to be strong women, you know? And I think as women, we need to share that message that, hey, it's okay to stick up for yourself and when you recognize like biased language or biased you know conversations or whatnot it's okay to be like hey that's not okay like yeah, that's need to educate really people. negative yeah. the stigma because I feel like yeah. a lot of times like I get like I'm I shy away from like People will be like, oh, you're feminine, like you're a feminist, you know? And in their head, that's like crazy person who like attacks men for everything. But it's not really attacking men. It's just saying like, I wish I had more for myself. And I don't think that's wrong to say or want. I think it's interesting. I've seen like a lot of movies. um, I can't remember. I think it's like going from homeless to Harvard or something. There was this heroin addict dad that had a wife and two little girls and um this this girl didn't go to school like the mom like did her own thing she was a heroin addict too and then she also would go out and like get drunk all the time and then the dad would always say he would always say like I don't know she's a feminist to kind of justify like their own choices and that pretty much saying like they have a mind of their own Mm. Yeah, I, I don't... I always felt like when people are like, oh, it's because you're a feminist. Oh, it's because you think this way because yeah. you're a feminist. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, what the fuck's wrong with that? I don't think you're understanding what an actual definition of a feminist is. But I just right? think men are probably threatened by feminists because it's like we're asking more from them. And I feel like that's hard, like that's hard to do. That's like if your dog like started talking and was like, stop eating animals. Like, I'm an animal. I'd be like, fuck. 
<laughs> you don't want to deal with the truth. Well, I think like we're transcending this, like, this dichotomy. Yeah. The dichotomy of gender. Yeah, because pretty much back then, um, there's, like, a bunch of books that are written about it. It's pretty much are saying women are created to fulfill a male's sexual desires. And... They pretty much said that if you were not able to satisfy your your man or whatever, even after like a couple months or years after your marriage, that you should get help. Like there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me because <laughs> you can't get it up. But also, like, and also like the so bad. We need. I mean, maybe I should write a book about like maybe like a man can satisfy me. You know, like we need to right. try hard and be like, but right. what are men doing for us? Mm-hmm. Instead right. of like, what is a woman not like not doing enough for her? We man? need to demand things. So, do you think that yes. like Kim Kardashian is kind of? Do you think her language and her message? Do you think it it like aids to what we're talking about now, or do you think she's oblivious to it, or do you think she cares, or do you think you know? Because now is she like synonymous with? I don't know. I mean, she's obviously has like this huge platform, so I don't yeah. know if she's using what she think- has. I think she tailors to male taste a bit too much. And I think that's because she makes money off men, probably. Like, men probably, like, waste their time or waste their money on her. I mean, well, women probably do, too. Well, I, they I would say it's maybe like more her. women. That's true. Yeah. Because they want to look like her. They want to have her things. They're like, what are the Kardashians doing? Oh, you look like Kourtney Kardashian, right? So yeah. maybe it's, like, women's... So women need to stop caring about what men think. Because I feel like... What it is is, like, we think men like Kim Kardashian. And so then we're right. like, this is attractive, so we should mm. be like her. But in reality, I don't know if they do necessarily. I just think they're just... Mm-hmm. And what do you think as women, like, you know, especially as young women, what do you think is more impactful to us? Like, do you think it really is the men in our lives? Or do you think maybe the women in our lives have a stronger effect because they're our role models and they're the ones telling us that this is what men like. And we're yeah. like, I don't know. That's a good point. You know? I think, like, our women in our life need to talk about pleasing ourselves more. Right. I feel like my mom always taught me about, like, what I should do for other people, but never, like, what I should do for my own sanity. And I, like, I always think of moms as being, like, super anxious and whatever mm-hmm. because they're always trying to, like, keep the house together. You know what I mean? Like, more mm-hmm. often than not, their responsibility falls on the, the mom to keep the family together. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, now women work, too. So it's, like, mm-hmm. be a good mom and work and also be hot. And so that's a lot of pressure. Well, now, yeah, I was going to say mm-hmm. there's social pressure now like even now maybe that's an adaptation that we've created for ourselves as women is now we don't need men to give us our resources so it's all really confusing maybe it's new territory right because now we're like oh but i still have to be okay enough to have babies which is another question in itself because i don't think all women want babies yeah so i don't know i think we should be Maybe we should be like talking about what we want more. I think this is like the time for women to be more selfish with their lives mm-hmm. because we finally have the opportunity. Like we're able to, you know, make money. A lot of women, like yeah, we're talking about Kim Kardashian. Like maybe she's not the best example, but there's also like Melinda Gates, you know, or mm-hmm. like Michelle Obama, or like 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. What are some other women that you think I of? personally like Rihanna a lot because I, I think she Rihanna. uses her platform. <laughs> like, she she uses her sexuality, but I think she uses it in a different way than Kim Kardashian. Well, it seems like ooh, she uses it in a yeah. way to please herself. Yeah, and is, I think that's, yes. that's what we should be doing because I think, like, Kim Kardashian, she, like, kind of utilizes her sexuality and she kind of knows that women want to look like her so she'll start this makeup line but as Rihanna she'll start like a lingerie line to empower women to feel sexy and and embrace their differences by featuring Mm. like different women and different types of like body types in her marketing I love me some Fenty (laughs) Fenty no I like that I like that distinction between you know maybe two women that are both very sexualized and for themselves like they they choose to make themselves look a certain way but yet it's still rooted differently yeah right and i think that that just comes with the language yeah right yeah and i don't i mean i don't know if one's more superior than the other or one's better than the other uh, i don't know i think one's better than the other yeah I feel like one tries to empower other people and i feel like I don't know. You should... This is going to be... This is a little tangential. (laughs) But, like, help the most amount of people, right? That you can. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so Rihanna empowers lots of women, whereas Mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian empowers a certain type of woman. Oh, yeah. Well, that's also, like, can be seen in, like, what? Feminism? Like, those different waves of feminism and how, like, different feminists, they only support one type of woman, you know? Whereas, like, there's different types of women. Right? Mm -hmm. What's that? Intersectionality? Intersectionality. Yeah. And I think, especially when we're talking about issues like this, like, like, body dysmorphia, pornography addiction, and, you know, especially, like, depression and whatnot, we have to think about not only, like, the people in our lives, but also, I don't know, like, every aspect of what is going on because we can't just like pinpoint to one thing we can start with like our conversations right and having even this conversation well, right I now I think you need to just look I think is look into your own life and like see how it's affecting your life like think about yeah. your thoughts every day and like how mm-hmm. you're using your time like mm-hmm. yeah, is I agree. it towards the things that you want to do or are you obsessing about like really trivial shit in your life you know like what do you really want to accomplish in this world is it to like go outside and, like, look pretty and, like, have a big butt. It's, like, that's fine, too. But, like... Like, if you do, that's awesome. That's fine. (laughs) That shouldn't be your only purpose is to just focus on the physical aspect. I mean, if somebody wants to be, like... A turkey. Oh, turkey. <laughs> a turkey. Okay. I don't know. They want to just be like, I don't know. Yeah, if you're not hurting anyone, do what you want. But, like, just be aware of what you want and make sure it's what you mm. want and not what the world told you that you want. Or be right, aware, right. yeah, of the presence that you, that you have. Because you have a presence yeah. at the end of the day. Right? Yeah. Or at least I like to think so. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. A turkey. <laughs> turkey. You guys want to say anything else? Should we wrap it up? Um, um, I mean, I think we, I think we kind of hit a lot of different points and again, maybe to wrap it up, like in regards to like Kim Kardashian and our language, I think the bigger picture is to just be mindful about what we're feeding our brains and then also right Mm -hmm. what we're feeding our children and our peers. And I think maybe maybe we can start with that. Like maybe we can empower each other, like tell each other like, hey, like that's not 
real. Like, stop obsessing about that, you know? Or maybe, like, you know, when you hear a comment, like, your friend's like, oh, I, like, feel ugly today or something. Like, no, bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, you're fine, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or, like... I don't know. I'm trying to think of something for men. For men? Like, I don't know. If you have problems, like, I don't know, like, with unrealistic expectations or, like... Getting it up. It's okay. It's not your fault. Yeah. yeah it's not your fault. Could be porn. Maybe someone's porn. I feel like that's yeah. like a thing. Or, like, I don't even know. Whatever your problem is, like, like, sex is so important and, like, normal and, like, healthy. And it's so important for you to have a healthy relationship with your sexual identity and, like, your partner mm-hmm. that, like, things like ED or, like, porn addiction are probably really hard to talk about because I feel like there's a lot of shame instilled in it. But, like, I feel like it's really normal because, hello, porn is, like, the apparently the biggest industry in the world. So, like, a lot of people probably have this problem and, like, you should go get help because that's really important for you to be happy and thrive. And on that note, I'm done with my coffee. Um, do you have anything else to say, Karen? Um, I think I just want to say be aware of, like, what's going on. Like, if you look at it, like, why is there so much money being put into the porn industry? You have to really think about, like, where a lot of our values are in this society and just kind of distinguish yourself from them so you don't become a part of this. And, yeah. And perpetuate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. This is pseudo. This is pseudo. Bye. Bye.